financial readiness trumps age. I get a lot of questions that go something like this. I'm going to retire at 66. Here's what I have. Am I prepared? No, it should be the other way around. It shouldn't be the age that's the determining factor. It should be how much money you have or whether you're prepared to retire. That's Walter Updegrave from RealDealRetirement.com. He analyzed a recent survey of the needs, goals, and concerns of very wealthy investors and came up with some useful retirement tips for the rest of us, which he'll share today on Your Money, Your Wealth. We're also talking taxes and Medicare today. We've got 12 common sources of tax-free income, the four tax breaks that may be on the chopping block, the basics of Medicare, and Medicare mistakes with the newest member of our education team, Jason Thomas, CFP. Now, here's a man that really wants to wear his hair in an afro, Joe Anderson, CFP, and a guy who really doesn't like the Eagles. More on that later. Big Al Clopine, CPA. I'm very excited. We have Andre working the desk today. I know. It's always a pleasure. And that hair is so unbelievably awesome. It's uh, it's like a throwback from it's, the 70s. It just makes me smile. Maybe 80s. Maybe 70s and 80s. Kind of a combo. I mean, it is like the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life, but it's the most awesome thing I've but ever it, seen in my life. He carries it off, doesn't he? Oh, totally. It's like, totally. Uh, it's kind of like the days of the Afros and the big hair. Huge. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's like seven footer with that hair, like, but he's actually right? five foot four. Yeah, and it's like jet black, so you can't miss it. <laughs> oh man, I just want to <laughs> smell it. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. It's like a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, you're going back to our early days uh, uh, of being taught how to do radio. Remember, we were, we were taught to make love to the microphone. Yeah, make, yeah, Joe, Joe and Al, make love to the microphone. Oh, let's not go that far. <laughs> talking about Andre's hair here. Well, you were starting to go there. <laughs> oh, wow. With the big microphone. Uh, well, anyway. Well, welcome to the show. We started off with a bang here. Yeah, we did. We were already warmed up. <laughs> Just already warmed up. Um, and, and I will say that's as good as the show is probably going to get. By far. <laughs> so, by, you, might as well, you might as well switch over to a ball game. By far. Hey, a uh, couple of quick things. Uh, housekeeping items. We're, we're doing a... Full webinar, not webinar, a Medicare video series. Talk about excitement. Alan. Oh, well, that's... Uh, we got a three-part Medicare... How do I sign up for that? <laughs> All you got to do is go to yourmoneyyourwealth.com, and it's right there. Hold on. Yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think Medicare is extremely confusing. You've got that And right. especially for me that I still have another 25 years <laughs> to figure it out. So, so you're, I, you're I, need really... tw- I need these 25 years... <laughs> To figure out Medicare for me to get my election straight. I got a few less years than you where I got to figure this out. Yeah, well, you know. Yeah. So let's 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 do that because we just did a TV show on Medicare. We did, and it's fresh in my mind. Yeah. And before okay. I lose it, <laughs> let's kind of um, wet the whistle here to start up the show. Just okay. talking about some of the basics of Medicare and some things that people need to take a look at because yes. right. More and more people, you know, if you if you look at the statistics, it's like, yeah, you know, I want to make sure that I have enough money. I want to save money in taxes and pass assets to the next generation and sure. you know, reduce my fees and all that other good stuff. But healthcare is a really big issue. And so what the Senate kind of squashed the repeal of the Affordable Care Act at yeah. the time being. Even the skinny version. The skinny version. Yeah, is. right. That, even that didn't make it. <laughs> So, you know, it's like, well, what the heck is going to happen? And then does that dovetail into, you know, tax reform? And so we we could talk all sorts of different things today. But let's kind of go through the ABCs of Medicare. What do you think? Well, Joe, let's uh, I guess there's let's start out with uh, there's 57 million people that actually are on Medicare right now. There's what, 300 million plus in the country. So it's quite a large number of people already on Medicare. And uh, the cost of Medicare for our government, $684 billion, according to Medicare.gov in 2016. That's 15 percent of our budget, federal budget, just right there. So I guess uh, to start out with the basics of Medicare, Joe, it's, um, it's when you turn 65, first of all, 65 years of age or... Um, you're younger than 65, but you're receiving uh, disability payments from the Social Security Administration. So, and there's a couple diseases where you can get in, I yeah. guess, ALS being one and uh, kidney disease being another one. So, yeah, so you don't want those. You don't want those. That's not a good way to a get good in. good way to get it, right? Yeah. But I guess probably 
Maybe the mo- one of the most confusing things right off the bat is how do you sign up and who's, when do you sign up and and is it voluntary? Is it required? Is it automatic? Do I, how does this work? Right, uh, uh, you are automatically enrolled, so there's automatic enrollment if you are already claiming your social security benefits. Right. So if you're claiming your social security benefits prior to age 65, and then when you do turn age 65, you're automatically enrolled in Medicare. Part A, and then you will start paying premiums for Part B. Correct. But then you'll start having to elect, do you want a Medigap policy, Part D, and you know, there's all sorts of different parts that you want to maybe have in conjunction with just the traditional Medicare. Right. And so that's uh, right. So you're receiving Social Security uh, by or before age 65. You'll automatically get enrolled into Medicare, Joe, as you just said. And... Um, but if you're not, if you're not receiving, if you're still working and not receiving Social Security benefits, some people could be working and receiving the benefits. But let's say you're not receiving Social Security benefits, you're age 65, then you've got a enrollment, an, an initial enrollment period. It's a seven-month period. Yeah, a little window. Yeah, so it starts three months before your birthday month of turning 65, includes the birthday month, and then three months after your birthday month. That's when you're supposed to sign up for Medicare. And... Uh, uh, but many people don't necessarily because they're they're part of their employer's health plan, right? Right, because they're still working. Sure, and that's okay as long as you're a part of an employer's uh, health plan. They have a, like this uh, strange caveat that it needs to be a group plan of more than twenty or more employees. So you've got want to make sure you actually do qualify for this. But let's say you do, or if you're covered on your spouse's plan, right, and you turn sixty five, you can wait. Uh, but you do need to sign up within eight months after the employment uh, health coverage ends. So I think it's in good practice, though. If you're 65, just enroll at least in Part A. I do, Because too. you've already paid for those premiums through payroll taxes. Yeah. It's not free, Alan, as you <laughs> As like I said on allude. the TV. Well, it's, it was, it's free from the standpoint that there's no additional charges. <laughs> I'm not saying yeah, you definitely paid for it. <laughs> you definitely paid for it. So and and the basically it's like this, Joe. As long as you worked uh, ten years, forty quarters in the Social Security Administration. I mean, not in the administration. It, employment. Employment. <laughs> paying Social Security taxes. Then uh, then you get Part A at no additional charge, right? Yes. Once so that's better than that's better than saying free. Free. Yes. Yeah. At no additional charge. Right. And then you got Part B, and Part B will have a premium, and that premium ranges uh, from I don't know about hundred bucks to four hundred bucks. Yeah, it's one hundred nine dollars is the is the cheapest it is. This is two thousand seventeen. The highest it could be is four hundred twenty eight dollars per month. And Joe, that's if you're single and your just a gross income is above two hundred fourteen thousand, or you're married and it's above four hundred twenty eight thousand. So it goes from one hundred nine dollars. That's if you're already subject to to the Medicare tax. If you sign up this year fresh, first time, it's $134. And then it kind of ratchets up to that $428 amount. So, yeah, I think that's probably good advice. You're, you're, you're turning 65. You're, you're still working. You're part of your employer's plan. Uh, go ahead and sign up for Medicare. Sign up for Part A because there's no additional charge. You may or may not want to sign up for Part B because there is additional charges there. You don't have to sign up for it if you got the employer plan. Right. And so, but you just, I would always double check with the employer plan. Plan because what we have found sometimes is that the uh, Medicare would be um, primary and then your insurance would be secondary. So just double check because you definitely don't want to go without coverage. Right. And, so, and, and, and get shocked because, yeah. oh, I thought it was covered. And then... Um, and, and, Guess some, what? And, and some kind of minimal employer plans don't even qualify where you, you have to get the Part B anyway. And if you don't, there's penalties. Right. And, and then with the premium on Part B, is it's means tested, so it depends on your income. There is so much more to know about Medicare if you're approaching age 65. We're creating a video series to help you with that with Medicare specialist Jason Thomas, CFP, the newest member of the Pure Financial Advisors education team. Visit YourMoneyYourWealth.com to sign up to watch our new Medicare video series, and you'll be notified as soon as it's available. That's YourMoneyYourWealth.com. And keep listening, because later in the podcast, Joe, Al, and Jason will cover some Medicare mistakes to avoid. But first, Walter Eptegrave of Real Deal Retirement analyzed a recent survey of the needs, goals, and concerns of very wealthy investors, and he came up with some useful retirement tips for the rest of us. Alan, 
Yes. It's that time of the show. Can't wait. Are you excited? Yes. Have you ever heard of RealDealRetirement.com? I've just heard about it. It's a pretty good site. Yeah. RealDealRetirement.com. We have Walter Updegrave on the line. I've been practicing that name. Yeah, I had to clap it it's, out. It's, Up the grave. It's phonetic. It, it is. I'm hooked on phonics. It's awful. I, I got a Minnesota fat tongue, and it's whatever. Well, you what, got it. I think you aced it. Yes, I killed it. I, yeah. I practiced a couple times, and now we got Walter Up the Grave. Walter, welcome to the show. Thank you. And you did get the name right. It is phonetic, and you guys got it right. I'm sure you can imagine. I got a lot of mispronunciation. Oh, <laughs> yes, and we wanted to make sure our listeners got the real deal. Hey, well, tell us about your site, therealdealretirement.com. That's pretty cool. Yeah, well, basically, I worked at Money uh, Money Magazine and CNN Money for a number of years, and I used to do a column on CNN Money called Ask the Expert, where people would write in and ask me questions about retirement and investing, but mostly about retirement. And I did that for m- many, many years. I was at Money Magazine for almost 30 years. I left there a few years ago. And I figured, well, I still wanted to do something in this area. So I just started this site, realdealretirement.com. And basically, I publish stories on, on the site, a few stories a week. And, I, and then also cnnmoney.com and money.com uh, both pick up my articles. So it's basically, you know, the, what I try to do is, you know, educate people about all aspects of retirement, everything from saving to investing to turning savings, you know, 401ks or whatever, into sustainable income. And my my sort of theme is to try to keep it simple and not not overwhelm people with too much information or not try to get too complicated. Thank you very much, because Alan, I definitely need that. <laughs> I was. Just, I'll try to keep it simple for you guys. <laughs> I, I was just thinking, uh, Walter. If, if I'm not sure we would ever get the opportunity to be to do ask the expert. I don't think they Never. would give us that uh, title. Never ever <laughs> ever. Oh well, your recent article was uh, three tips uh, from the very rich that can help improve your retirement. Let's talk a little bit about what we can learn from the very rich. Sure. The survey was 2,000 wealthy investors, people with with a million dollars or more in investable assets. Some people might think, well, this only applies to the wealthy, but it's not. A lot of these things that the wealthy do are really applicable to everybody else. So that's what I try to do, pull out some things that regular people could apply to their retirement planning and sort of, you know, improve their uh, prospects uh, for retirement. The first thing that I pulled out was this idea that I called financial readiness trumps age. And a lot of people, for example, I, I, on my site, there's a place where people can ask me questions and then I answer them on my site. And they all, the answers also appear on CNNMoney.com. I get a lot of questions that go something like this. Gee, I'm 62. I'm going to retire in three years. How do I know if I have enough money? Or I'd like to retire in three years. Do I have enough? For some people to say, I'm going to retire at 66. Here's what I have. Am I prepared? And I kind of think to myself, no, it should be the other way around. You should, you should, you're, you, it shouldn't be the age that's the determining factor. It should be how much money you have or whether you're prepared to retire. And that's one thing when they survey these wealthy, um, uh, these wealthy pre-retirees and retirees, they found is that um, m- most of them said, uh, I think it was two-thirds of them said that it wasn't a, a specific age, but whether they had a certain level of assets. And in their case, of course, because these are wealthier investors, the, the level of assets was fairly high. Almost 90% say they needed at least a million. About 40% said they needed three million or more. Um, but the, the, the takeaway here is that in preparing for retirement, it, you know, we tend to think of retirement as being linked to an age, whether it's you know, 65, a traditional retirement age, or 66, uh, when a lot of baby boomers retire. Uh, but it really should be you know, when you're actually financially prepared to retire. And, of course, you want to do planning up to that so that the two coincide, so that when you, know, you, you reach a, a reasonable age for retirement, that you actually are prepared. You know, it's such a mindset. It's a, it's a shift in mindset. And, you know, I think the, the, the reason why they have that, those dollar figures is because they had the mindset and they had the planning acumen, um, you know, to, to get it. it. It doesn't necessarily mean they made a million dollars a year. It's like the millionaire next door. You know, they lived within their means. They saved, you know, m- more than average uh, to get to a certain dollar figure where they felt financially secure versus like, oh, my God, I hate my job. I want to get the hell out. 65, I'm punching out, you know. So it's just a different yeah. mindset. Yes, exactly. And the I, I, the one thing that I would add on this is that uh, while this survey did kind of couch it in terms of dollars, uh, because I think that people tend to think that way, I need this amount of money or, you know, my number is such and such. I've also written a lot about uh, the idea that 
when you're planning for retirement, I think it's a good idea for people to think in terms of how much income they can replace when they retire, as opposed to maybe you know a, a, a total dollar amount, um, because a lot of people have trouble translating. Like if you ask most people, you know, how much sustainable income if you retire at 65, how much you know inflation-adjusted sustainable income could three million dollars produce? I don't think most people will be able to give a real, a, a reasonable answer. So I think it's more if they, but if they knew that they had to say, well, I have to, I have to have income of about a hundred thousand a year, a hundred twenty thousand a year, or sixty thousand a year, or whatever. And if they look at their progress in, in in doing that, I think it's a lot more accessible to people. I, I think that's a really good point because I think a lot of people just in their mind, I want to be a millionaire. Once I get to a million dollars, I'm rich. I can retire, not realizing at a four percent distribution rate that's forty thousand a year. That's all. Right. And, and a lot of people are very, are very shocked. It's another question I get. You know, I have whatever, 500000 a million. How much can I withdraw each year and, and you know, have this money last me until my early 90s, something like that? A lot of people are shocked to see that it's not nearly as much as they think because, well, for a few things, because they're not used to thinking in those terms. And also, they're not thinking of the inflation adjustment, that, you know, the, the amount that you have if you want your purchasing power to remain constant. Uh, you may have to increase the amount, uh, you know, every every year. So it's it's kind of a it's it, it's a hard thing. Uh, it's well, it's a well-known concept in behavioral uh, economics that people just aren't very good at translating lump sums into inflation-adjusted income, which which makes sense. It's not like a a, a thing that we do all the all the time when we're growing up, you know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, another interesting um, fact is that y- y- you still have to invest for growth. I think there's. Um, this sense of I oh now I'm retired I need to have everything you know you know in CDs or cash or you know bonds, but we have such long life expectancies we definitely need to still invest for growth. Oh yes, and and that's that's always been true even if people didn't really realize it. But it's especially true today because the yields on on bonds and CDs and savings vehicles are, are so low. So for example, in this survey. Uh, you, you uh, guys are, are familiar, and probably a lot of people listening in will be familiar with the old adage that uh, your, uh, your the percentage of uh, your savings that you have in stock should be equal to your age minus 100, so or your 100 minus your age, rather. So if you're 60, you should have 40% in stocks. If you're 70, you should have 30%. Yep. Well, Whoever came up with that, of- Walter, should be banned, barred from <laughs> writing anything about financial... <laughs> Well, then they had it. Then they increased it to 120. Yeah, minus your age because right. right. it didn't work out. Yeah, it didn't work exactly. out. The numbers didn't jive. Well, what else it can we come up with? Started out as 100. Then it, in the in uh, the early 90s, I think it went to like 110. And then when things when returns really started to go up, then people wanted more in stocks. Then it got to 120. Right. And then it shifted back. But in any case, in this survey, they asked people about you know those sorts of formulas, and more than 60% surveyed said they disagreed with that. And in fact. Uh, um, a lot of the people, uh, I, I think it was more than half, had uh, upwards of 50% or more of their assets in stocks well into their 70s and 80s. So these were people who were still, who the, the wealthier um, uh, investors here really recognize that you want to have, uh, you still need this growth in your portfolio for one reason, just to maintain your standard of living, to keep up with inflation. Uh, now, I do think that probably in the case of wealthier people, they're more likely to be passing money along to, to heirs and, you know, having a legacy and all. So that would also tend to argue for a little more of a, to, to uh, invest a little more aggressively. So in, in my article, I try to say to, try to say to people, you know, who may not be, have quite that, the amount of assets that the people surveyed have, that, okay, you do need the growth. But it may not, you may not have quite as much in stocks as uh, some of the wealthier uh, investors. And then I give them some tools that they can go to to try to figure out a reasonable balance of, of growth versus safety uh, in retirement. And, I, and on my website, I have a uh, retirement toolbox section that has a lot of different uh, tools for things like uh, figuring out an asset allocation, uh, fig- figuring out how long your money uh, the, the probability of your money lasting a certain amount of time. Also, some good tools for uh, life expectancy. If you're a certain age, what is uh, not just your life expectancy, but how long you might live, because most people are going to live beyond life expectancy. So those those kinds of tools, I think, can help people realize, first of all, how long this money needs to last, and then the sense that they need some growth. They can't just rely on, you know, they can't just huddle down in bonds or CDs. You know, it's funny when you say tools. Uh, you know, the first thing about this survey 
Uh, 91% of um, these people that they surveyed had some sort of financial tool to help them kind of guide their way, either via themselves um, on the web or if they they hired an advisor or whatever the case may be. They had technology and tools to kind of model some of this stuff out. Hey, Walter, we got to take a a short break. Hold on uh, to that thought. Hey, guys, uh, we'll be right back. We're talking to Walter Updegrave from RealDealRetirement.com. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. We'll be right back. Hey, Southern California, are you on a smooth, well-paved road to retirement, armed with a good roadmap and clear directions? Join one of our certified financial planners for a free lunch and learn in San Diego or Orange County and learn how to pave your road to retirement. Visit purefinancial.com slash lunch to register for one of these free events, lunch included. Learn about investing for your future, generating retirement income, retirement plan distributions, and how to minimize your income taxes. Get on a good road to retirement. Visit purefinancial.com slash lunch to register for a free lunch and learn in San Diego, Brea, or Irvine. That's purefinancial.com slash lunch. Welcome back to the show. The show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Joe Anderson here, certified financial planner alongside Big Al Clopine. He's a CPA. Thanks for tuning in. We're talking to Walter Updegrave today. I think you bring up an important point, though, about that 91% saying they have the financial tools and knowledge necessary for retirement, is that these these people aren't winging it. <laughs> I think that's a right. really important thing. They, they've got sort of a plan. And there's another little little stat there that I thought was very interesting. Uh, they, they said 89% have a clear idea of where their income will come from once they retire. So it's not just enough to know sort of, you know, okay, if I do this withdrawal rate or whatever, I have a good chance that it will last. But where is it going to come? How much is going to come from Social Security? How much is going to come from uh, withdrawals from your portfolio? Do you have an annuity that's going to create some? It's, it, you know, so you really need this sort of retirement income, uh, this retirement income plan uh, if you want to go into retirement sort of having a, a, a clear idea of, not just how long your money is going to last, but where it's going to come from. And if you really, if you don't have that sort of clarity, it, it's a little bit kind of you're just kind of playing a guessing game, or in some cases, a lot. Unfortunately, for a lot of people, just wishful thinking. Yeah, that is so true. I mean, when you look at a retirement income strategy versus selling. Uh, you know, saving for retirement. Those are two totally different types of strategies, both of them equally important. You know, when I'm saving for retirement, yeah, you want to make sure that you understand where you should be saving the tax consequence on the distribution, what your asset allocation should look like. But then when you start pulling dollars from the overall portfolio, it's a totally different game because it's like sequence of return risk. You got longevity risk, and then you got other expenditures that might come in unexpected. You don't have a paycheck. And so it's it's a little bit different type of planning. I think it's a little bit more challenging. Challenging, but it's funny. People will go into retirement without any clue on where they're going to pull each year to create that additional income on top of their Social Security or pensions or real estate income or whatever. Right. I agree. I, I think it's, I mean, it's, sometimes it's unfortunate that people will, you know, put a lot of uh, you know, planning and effort and they'll do all the hard work of, you know, saving the money and everything. And then when they get to where, you know, sort of making it last and how much to pull out, they sometimes they, they, they fall down on the job there. Uh, and, uh, and and it's, it's unfortunate because if you can you know withdraw too much very early on, or for example, as I'm sure you guys know, you, because you mentioned the uh, sequence of returns risk, sometimes you can have a great average return over a period, but if in the beginning of that period, when you're pulling money out for retirement, you go into a bear market, the combination of the losses in the bear market plus your withdrawals can so deplete your portfolio of capital that when the turnaround comes, you just don't have enough money left to really participate in it. And so your money doesn't last as long as if you're thinking in terms of an average rate of return. And uh, this is, I think this is a concept that's beginning to get through a little bit more. It's been around for quite a few years, but um, I think that uh, to the general public, it's still something that's probably not as well known as maybe it should be. You, you know, another very interesting thing um, that it, that kind of hit home with me with this um, survey was about uh, they were talking about like the emotional anxieties. Sixty-four percent of people surveyed here they were more worried about not having a schedule than they were not having a paycheck. 
you know, and so, and, and I, I'm a very kind of rigid person. You know, I have my schedule. I get up early, I work late, and I and I and I do things. But with all all of a sudden, when you don't have that schedule, I think sometimes people don't really dive in a little bit deeper. It's not always about the dollars and cents. Another thing that was interesting: fifty nine percent. It will take some time to adjust to retired life. So you have to practice it. And then this is Al. I know this is definitely Al's. Um, he voted on this. I'm going to miss my um, job and colleagues when he retires. <laughs> yeah, big, big time. Uh, my radio I'll, show. I'll have to ask Joe if that's really true or not, but I'll assume it is. <laughs> uh, anyway, then. But you're, you're absolutely right in that the other part of this is, you know, and naturally, I write mostly about the, the financial aspects of it. You guys, I'm sure your clients deal with the financial aspects, but there is this sort of Behave, whatever you want to call it, behavioral, emotional, psychological aspect, social aspect of it. And it is really just important because, uh, as, as you mentioned in this survey, you know, people were more, more concerned about not having this schedule because when you really think about it, you know, a job, whether it's nine to five, nine to seven, nine to eight or ten, whatever, however many hours it is, it's just kind of like a little framework, a little sort of skeleton around which we can, you know, base our lives, and it's, it's, it's an automatic planning tool for us. And when you, if you all of a sudden pull that away and all the social contexts that are, that are connected with it, it's, it's, a, it's a big change. So what I, uh, in this article, what I try to tell people is to do uh, a little what, you know, I and others call uh, lifestyle planning, which is essentially really think about how are you going to live the hours in your life? What's going to fill your time? What sort of activities? Do you have friends who you'll keep up with, social connections? Because all of these are, are linked to how happy people are in retirement, how well they, they adjust to retirement. So it's, it's almost like, you know, and a lot of times you'll hear people say, well, I'm going to move to such and such. I'm going to do this or that. My advice is usually is like to the extent you can do a little trial run. You think you're going to move down to, you know, wherever, uh, another country maybe, you know, spend some time there, see what it's really like there, see what it's like on an off season. So, so don't, you know, don't assume that it's just all going to unfold, you know, blissfully the day after you retire. You know, I, I'm definitely going to have to work. I mean, here's how ridiculous my schedule is, right? I get up at about 5 o'clock. I go to the gym, right? And it's at the same time every morning. And I park in the same place. And then I had this girlfriend. We break up, right? And then all of a sudden, like about two weeks after we break up, she starts walking her dog. Right, because she knows exactly where I'm going to be every single morning. <laughs> hey, what's going you're, on? You're predictable. Right. I'm like, what the? Yeah, yeah. She knows, uh, right? Uh, here's where I'm at on Friday for a couple of beers. This is where I'm going to play golf on Saturday. I swear to God, she was everywhere. I hope the breakup was amicable. Oh yeah, it was a really good time, Walter. <laughs> I'll give you some stories. You can write about that nightmare on <laughs> Market Street. <laughs> Oh boy! Hey, well, what else are you writing there on um, your website? Well, basically, the, the the sort of the topics really do range from. I mean, this is, I do a lot of things because a lot of the boomers are so close to retirement or already in retirement. I do a lot of stuff on this sort of you know how do you turn for money in four hundred one k or other accounts into sustainable income. So a combination of how do you invest. Uh, are annuities an option? If so, what should you be thinking about if you're looking at them? So I do a, a lot of stuff with that and a lot with the, the, the lifestyle aspects of, of retirement. But then I, I also do a lot, even with, uh, with, with younger people, and sort of trying to get them going so that they'll be prepared for retirement. And that is really just really just kind of comes down to ways to trying to impress on people how to, you know how much you have to save or that you have to at least save regularly you know maybe you can't make the target you know everybody talks about 15% that's great but for a lot of people just getting out of school or whatever it may not be practical so you start with something and maybe you increase it by a percentage point a year and build your way up uh, and 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 then a lot of people are sort of in that middle. They're getting toward that ten-year home stretch into retirement, and a lot of those people are realizing, "Ooh, I didn't save as much as I as I should have," and they're a little bit, "What, what can I do?" And I think that for those people, I'm always trying, you know, I'm always trying to give them some advice on, well, how can you, first of all, how do you know where you stand? You know, how do you do a little quick analysis to see how much income you, you're likely to produce or what are your odds of getting the income you need? And then how can you uh, in, improve your situation you know, by either saving more? A lot of people don't realize even just like something like 
delaying retirement a couple of years can really have a really big impact on how uh, on, on how much income you can generate and how prepared you'll be. You'll be. So I really kind of cover all of those uh, all of those sorts of topics. Hit a real deal retirement. Uh, that's Walter Updegrave. Hey, Walter, this has uh, been a lot of fun. I really appreciate your time. Okay, I enjoyed it. Thanks a lot, guys. All right, guys, we got to take a quick break. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. We'll be right back. Your Money, Your Wealth isn't just a podcast. It's also a TV show. Check out Your Money, Your Wealth on YouTube to watch clips on estate planning with attorney Nicole Newman, Trump's proposed tax plan, Social Security Savvy, all about the 401k, and much more. Coming soon, an in-depth look at Medicare and reverse mortgages with retirement researcher Wade Fowle. Once someone already has full home equity, that's locked up inside their home and they don't have access to it other than something like a reverse mortgage. Don't miss the Your Money, Your Wealth TV show. Just search YouTube for Pure Financial Advisors and Your Money, Your Wealth. Time now for Big Al's List. Every week, Big Al Clopine scours the media to find the best tips, do's and don'ts, mistakes, myths, and advice to improve your overall financial picture. In handy bullet point format. This week, 10 common sources of tax-free income. Joe, I had to dig deep today. I went to, or yesterday when I found this, I went to the Ventura County Star in California. That's good. to (laughs) To come up with the 10... Here are the 10 common sources of tax-free income. That would have been like the Arkansas Gazette. <laughs> well, I didn't check there, but I, but I, stayed, I stayed local in California. Anyway, the, one of the things, of course, is Roth IRA earnings. I'm going to save that for last because I want to kind of go into that. A lot of these things are, are just things you ought to know that they don't necessarily – you can receive dollars without having to pay taxes on it. The first one is a gift. When you receive a gift from somebody else, it's not taxable to you. A lot of people don't understand that. Your parents, your grandparents, your your best friend. Well, it depends friend. on what the gift is. Though. Yeah, it depends what the gift is, right? But yeah, cash, cash yeah. gift. Let's let's start with cash. Yeah, good point. So you can receive fourteen thousand dollars per year. There's no taxation on either yourself or the person that gives the gift. Now you're right, Joe. If if the person giving you the gift gives you a, a, a an investment like a stock or a mutual fund, then when it's when you receive that gift, you take over the basis, the tax basis from whoever gave it to you. So if somebody gave you a, a fourteen thousand dollars stock that they bought for a thousand dollars. Well, when you sell it, then you have a $13,000 gain in that example. You will pay the tax on the gain. So, yeah, there are cases where you do potentially have to pay tax. If you receive cash, though, as a, as a lot of people that give cash, parents, grandparents, whatever, uh, you know, it's, it's non-taxable to you. And the, the person that's the gift door yes. does not get a tax deduction. Correct. Sometimes they think, well, I'm giving this money. Yeah. Well, no, you're giving it to your child. Right. It's, it's not a I'm giving not it to my deduction. grandchild. It's not income to your child, but it's not a tax deduction to you. If you give it to charity, then that's when you That's a tax deduction. deduction. Second one is rental income. If, did you know this, Joe? If you rent your home or vacation cottage for up to 14 days, that rental income does not need to be reported. Hmm. 14 days. Really? So there you go. You got some extra bedrooms. Sure. Airbnb, Come on in. 14 days. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Andre. You want to come crash 14 days? Teach me how to get hair like that. <laughs> it's going to take more than 14 it's gonna days. Be, yes, exactly. It's going to take me 14 <laughs> years to grow that fro out. Here's another one. Child's income up to the standard deduction amount, uh, which is $6,350 in 2017 in earned income. So you have a child that is younger than... Um, younger than 18 uh, that's uh, dependent actually could be a college student as well they can make $6,350 in earnings with uh, maybe they work at McDonald's or something like that and it's tax free because they get the standard deduction Deduction, inheritance did you know Joe I did know when you (laughs) I did know you're Parents, grandparents pass away, and you receive an inheritance that is non-taxable. Unless to it's you. a retirement account. True, that's true. Yeah, yeah. So if it's uh, if it's cash or let's um, say real estate, mom and dad had a house, they yeah. die. Here's what my aunt and uncle did. So my uncle diagnosed with um, lung cancer, right? So he's freaking out. He's like, "Oh, I'm gonna have to pay all these taxes." They, they had like they, they had a house in Tucson, right? That was worth a hundred grand. He was worried about the inheritance tax, and yeah, he was yeah. worried about the, the state yeah. tax. And he's got about maybe a hundred thousand bucks 
outside, right? right? right. Living off of pensions and Social right. Security. Right. And he's like, okay, well, I got to start gifting this money out because the government is going to take, you know, this when I die. And I was like, well, what do you, what do you, do you got like 10 million bucks? No, I got my house. Well, how much is your house worth? 100 grand. I'm like, what else do you got? Well, I got another 100. I go, you have $200,000. You're not going to get. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Because there's a step up in tax basis, first of all. So let's say you bought it for 10000 It's worth $100,000 now. You pass away, then the heirs will get a full step up in tax basis. So the cost to them, in essence, would be $100,000. They could sell it whenever. If there's no gain from the time they inherit it to the time they sell it, then it would be tax-free. Right, exactly. And I think Same a lot, with stocks and bonds right, and mutual right. funds and everything else. And as you say, Job, though, when it's a retirement account like an IRA or 401k, you still have to pay the tax when you uh, pull that money out of those, those accounts. And there is a required minimum distribution on a beneficiary IRA, a non-spousal beneficiary IRA, where you got to pull money out based upon your, your life expectancy, right. right? And so, and that surprises a lot of people. Someone, they inherit an IRA and they're 27 years old. They got to start pulling money out right the following year. I believe. You think they have a clue? N- most of them don't. Right. That's why. That, that's why we're educating you. Yep. Right. But I do get that question all the time as well. I just received a couple hundred thousand dollars from my parents' estate. How much tax do I have to pay? Well, what what was it? It wasn't a retirement account. It was just there's a property. It was sold in the estate, and I just got a check. All right, tax free. Don't re- don't report it on your return. Nothing. It's just tax free. Well, what if I get audited? Well, what if you get audited? You right. just show them your bank statements. Here's a two hundred thousand dollar check I got from my estate. Boom, you're done. Right. Yeah, simple enough. Another tax free item is life insurance received. Yeah, if you pass away with a life insurance contract, the beneficiary receives those proceeds one hundred percent tax free. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that's cool. Child support, that's another tax-free item. If you receive alimony, you have to pay taxes on it. Because the person that's paying it to takes you a tax is, takes deduction. deduction. Right. Child support is neither deductible to the person that pays it or income to the person that receives it. That's why I'm single. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's much <laughs> good idea. Good good call. House sale gains up to $250,000 of gain or $500,000 for married couples, a gain on the on sale of a qualified principal residence. It's not taxable. So you bought your home for half a million dollars and you're married, you sell it for a million dollars, you got a $500,000 gain. You've, you've owned it and lived in it, both of you, for at least two out of the last five years. You don't pay any tax. That first $500,000 of gain is tax-free. On the other hand, if there's a $600,000 gain, you just subtract the 500 exclusion from the 600000 you pay tax on 100000 Right, 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 right. And that's uh, contrary to uh, a, a common popular belief, belief yeah. common belief, is that's, that, that's not a once-in-a-lifetime. You can do that every couple years, of course, subject to how much gain you have in your, the home that you sell. Right. you got to have a lot of gain. I mean, you got to get lucky. Yeah, you yeah. use that every two years. That's right. But if you if you get lucky, right now, if you have rental properties, the rules are are much different, and that's a little bit more deep than I want to go into right now. But just be aware: if you have rental properties and you move into them, you will get some exclusion, but not the full amount. There's a calculation. Scholarships and fellowships are generally uh, not taxable, so that's a tax free and, and federal tax refund to round out my list. Joe, is that it? Yeah, well, they got the Roth IRA, which is a good one, but they're missing some. Municipal bond interest, that's tax-free. That is. Missing that one. And another one that you and I talk about. What's the Gazette from? Well, it's the the, uh, Ventura Ventura County Star. Star, oh. Yeah. Who wrote it? Can we give them some credit? Sure. Yeah, let me get my glasses. It's uh, Sandra... Sunken. Sandra Sunken. Yep. Ever heard of municipal bonds there, Sandra? Yeah. What else you got? What else is on the list that should be? Well, I think you could make a good argument that capital gains could be tax-free if you do tax-loss harvesting. Or if you're in the 15% tax bracket or lower. That's correct, too. Because that's a 0% that's tax, That's a 0% right? tax. Yeah. Okay. What else yeah. you got? Yeah. Um, did you do, did, was real estate income in there, depending on depreciation? Well, it was in there for the 14-day rule. But, yeah, that's another good point, which is when you buy a rental property, you may have positive income, but you get to write off a, a portion of that property each and every year. That's called depreciation. So you may have positive cash flow, but you're not paying any taxes on that currently. Yeah, you can do a 
cost seg study on it too. Sure. Accelerate that depreciation. Yeah, you, you sure can. <laughs> I can give you some tax-free income. <laughs> Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell says that after the lawmakers return from their recess next month, the Republicans will use budget reconciliation to pass the first major tax reform in three decades. But President Trump and the GOP remain divided on how to deliver the biggest tax cut in history. How might income tax, estate tax, and business tax change? Visit the White Paper section of the Learning Center at yourmoneyyourwealth.com and download the White Paper, Tax Reform, Trump versus House GOP, to find out. Are your tax strategies at risk? Get year-end tax planning tips that can help you stay on track in the midst of uncertainty. Download the Tax Reform White Paper to find out more. Visit the White Paper section of the Learning Center at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Now, Joe and Al discuss some of the tax changes that might be under consideration. There's a lot of discussion about um, uh, about our government uh, reducing taxes, reducing yeah. the tax rate. Uh-huh. and. Uh, but trying to keep this revenue neutral, which means you reduce taxes, but somehow you either still have as much money coming in or maybe you, you spur enough growth in the economy that there's additional money coming in. Uh, but well, Let me ask you this question. Okay. And this is, way, this is kind of on topic, but yeah. um, and I know you're not an economist. Y- yes, I'm not. So <laughs> we'll take this with a grain of salt. <laughs> okay. Why do we need... Um, to pass health care before tax reform is what a lot of people are saying. Yes, that, that is a reasonable question. And then people get confused with that, right? Because it's like, well, what does health care have to do with taxes? Yeah, well, I think it had to do with the uh, the the surtax, maybe the the, the net investment the income net tax? investment income tax of three point eight percent when you're married and your income's over two hundred fifty thousand or then, single two hundred thousand, and that's on capital assets. That's, so you pay your capital gains tax plus the additional three point eight percent. Yeah, or interest gain. dividends is passive income. Sure. It could be rental real estate things like that. It's also on earned income, Joe. It's point nine percent, almost one percent on salary and self employment type earnings. So anyway, I. Th- that's my best guess as to why they wanted to change that first. Because so they were saying, okay, well, here we're not going to we're going to repeal the net investment income tax. Right. We're going to repeal the other 09 percent on so ordinary if we, if income. We, if we don't have Obamacare, we don't need the net investment income tax anymore, which is one of the things that they want to get rid of in the tax plan. So I think that's why they went in that and order. And then so they were thinking, okay, well, how are we going to fund this new health care plan if yes. we don't have this? If we tax don't have a, a new cheaper health care plan, Got right? It. But that doesn't appear to be happening. So True. on to taxes. And so the way that you try to lower tax rates is, uh, and still have this workout uh, in terms of money flowing in is reduce uh, deductions, right? Or, or, or curtail the amount of deductions that you can take. And so I thought the Kiplinger tax letter did a pretty good uh, uh, article on some of the, the most discussed uh, tax breaks that may be in the chopping block, at least at one level or another. And the first one, right off the bat, we've talked about this, is tax breaks for retirement plans and retirement accounts. And Joe, they've talked about maybe saying, all right, when you get to a certain a level of retirement accounts. Yeah, you like can't, three million bucks. Yeah, or you can't like you that. can't put any more in, right? They they've talked about maybe maybe we we won't allow the retirement account deduction anymore. Maybe it just goes into a Roth IRA, which you and I have talked about, which actually might be a good thing for you and me and everyone else, uh, but it would be a huge time bomb for our God, government. That is so short sighted. It's it, crazy. It helps today, but not in the future, right? Right? Or they could potentially say. You know what? You don't get a tax deduction today. It's not a Roth, but you get basis. So maybe that's what they're thinking. That could could be another thing, right, in terms of your retirement accounts. Right. Yeah, meaning that you put in, right now it's $18,000 into a 401k, and you know you do that for a few years, and, and you let's just do one year, though, just to make the math easy. So it'd be like an after-tax contribution, yeah. so you'd yeah, have basis right. in the account. So your $18,000 grows to... Thirty thousand, right? And so you pull the thirty out, thirty thousand dollars out when you're in retirement. Eighteen thousand is tax free because you have tax basis. Twelve thousand you pay tax on. So that that could be a possibility. We'll see. I mean, some of the laws or these ideas that come out. I don't know. And uh, well, I guess they're looking four years down the road, right? Right. Well, it's it's. But you can't you can't reduce tax rates without some kind of other side of the equation. Exactly. Yeah. And touching retirement accounts just doesn't seem right to me, and that's just my personal opinion. You know, well, I, you I might argue with me, but if you look, I mean, you and I have been doing this for a long time. I mean, we've been doing this radio show uh, for over ten years. Right. Right. 
Uh, you've been a CPA for 30 some odd years. You know, I've been in the financial planning business 20, almost 20 years. And it's like, all right, well, we see all sorts of individuals. And I would say the majority of them, um, even that, that we see that, that have saved money are still behind. How about the, all the people that, you know, th- that don't have anything saved? I mean, we've talked about the median, um, you know, balances and retirement accounts, and we're right. living a lot longer, and health is on the rise, and inflation. I mean, there's all sorts of obstacles ahead of us in retirement, and then, all right, well, let's just, you know, skew some of the benefits that we already have, and t- to disenchant us to, to even save any more. All right, that's a great <laughs> well, idea. Well, when, when you think about what, what's one of our biggest issues in our country, it, it's retirement. It's the retirement crisis. It's the baby boomers retiring without enough savings. And so is that really what you want to do? Make it more difficult for people to save in retirement? Is that the biggest crisis in front of us? It's, or is it it's, it's, it's one of them. I said one of them. <laughs> okay. I could have said it's the biggest one. <laughs> World uh, Peace. World peace. <laughs> peace. <laughs> anyway, the next one, Joe, that I want to discuss in this article is... Um, the exclusion from tax for employer-provided health insurance. That's been discussed. And in, in other words, right now when you work for an employer and they pay for your health insurance, it's a, it's a tax-free benefit for you. You don't, you don't pay taxes on that benefit, right? It's, it's kind of a, a compensation, if you will, that you don't pay tax on. Sure. If your premium is 500 bucks a month and your employer pays for that, you're not paying tax on that $500. Right, right. And interestingly enough, this is probably about, I'm going to say four or five years ago, the W-2 started showing the amount of employer-paid health insurance premiums, and the CPA community figured, well, I guess that's because that's what they're thinking. At some point, they are going to tax that, or maybe like Social Security, they'll start out taxing 50% of it, or who, who knows, sure. right? But that could be a, a, a deduction or a source of, of revenue, uh, something that you're getting as a tax-free benefit that you're not paying taxes on right now. And the third one here is uh, favorable tax rates on qualified dividends and long-term capital gains, because we know that the capital gain rate when you buy uh, a stock or mutual fund that's outside of a retirement account, you hold it for at least a year and sell it at a gain, that capital gain is taxed at a special capital gains rate, which right now is 0, 15%, and 20%. 0, 15, and 20. And the 0% rate is when your taxable income, when you're married, if it's if it's below about 75000 and single below about $37,000, you don't even pay any taxes on that capital gains rate. Uh, then it jumps to 15% after that, and then 20% rate at the highest tax bracket. But let's just think about that, the highest tax bracket. So you're paying 20% on your capital gains, but you're paying 396 on your other income. So the tax at that level is about one-half of the regular tax. Mm-hmm. And there's always been discussion about maybe that's not fair. And you know, I don't really want to get into economics, but I, I will just bring this up and, and say that some – support the idea of capital gains is important for our country because people want to invest in companies and companies grow and they create jobs. There's another camp that says that's an unfair tax and the rich are getting off and paying a lower tax rate. So I'm not going to debate one or the other, but those are the two sides of the argument. Right. Well, yeah, I I would say most individual, just average um, Joes, right? Uh, Most of their assets are in the retirement accounts. Right. They don't have a lot of non-qualifying assets. Um, the, the likelihood that we see um, that people that have a large amount of assets that are outside of retirement accounts, in very rare cases, is it because of diligent savings? It could be stock options. They worked for a company, you know, that had stock options, and you know, all of a sudden the stock blew up. Uh, they were small business owners that yep. sold a business. Uh, they sold. They were real estate investors that potentially sold real estate. Yep. Or they inherited the money. Yeah, inherited, or they or they won the lot. Or, yeah, yeah, but Usually then that's that money got every month. <laughs> right. No, that is right. Uh, and then one other one. We're almost out of time for this segment, Joe. But uh, is um, is the Social Security benefits, which were non-taxable at one point. And then it got to the point where they were up to 50% taxable. And then I think it was in the early 2000s, it went up to 85% taxable at certain income levels, 85% of your Social Security income being subject to tax. And uh, could they make that fully taxable? They could. Right, because, I mean, if you go back to your earlier comment with uh, health insurance, is that it started out at 50% is because the employer put in the other 50 
you put in 50, the employer put in 50, and they're like, okay, well, here, you paid the tax to go in, but you didn't, you had that added benefit from your employer, so we'll tax that out, what, you know, from your employer benefit. So that's why it started at 50%, and then they increased to 85 just to get a little bit more cash. There you have it. Visit yourmoneyyourwealth.com and sign up for a free financial assessment with a certified financial planner. Find out if you're on track for retirement. How much money will you need? What social security strategies are available to you? How much income can you get from your portfolio? Make sure your retirement strategy is aligned with your retirement goals. Sign up for a free two-meeting assessment with a certified financial planner at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. We're talking Medicare, and here's what I want to do, Alan. Yes. We have a new individual employee at our office. His name is Jason Thomas. He's a certified financial planner. And his main focus and job and role at the firm is financial education. Right. Mainly for us. Yeah, yeah, you, exactly. You for you and yeah. <laughs> it's so right now we're talking Medicare and we're out of am- ammunition. <laughs> so I'm going to call Jason Thomas right now. He does not know we're calling him. He doesn't. He doesn't. All right. And so this is gonna be like We'll see if this works. This could blow up very badly, <laughs> or this could be kind of fun. Right. So we're going to call Jason, and we're going to ask him some Medicare questions. Right on the spot. Right on the spot. Okay. So this is unrehearsed. Yes. He doesn't have... Like, we have sheet sheet. sheets. Yeah. We have a full we volume. <laughs> <laughs> we have a full volume of Medicare stuff I can't even understand. So let's get uh, see if we can get Jason Thomas on the line. Okay. like it. Andre, can we like listen to the phone ring and get the... Oh, there it is. Yeah, we got yeah. the whole effect. Thank you for calling Turf Financial Advisors. This is Phyllis. How may I help you? Yes, Phyllis. Can I speak with Jason Thomas, please? And who's calling? Uh, this is Joseph Anderson. Oh, <laughs> one moment, please. She knows oh. you. I think she's heard of me before. Yeah, right. Oh, she's going to tell him that it's me, though. I should have said a different name. Yeah. Well, we'll Just see. Sorry. Huh? But he, he doesn't know he's going to be live on the radio. No, he has no idea. Yeah. He probably thinks, hey, what are you doing on a Saturday? <laughs> you want to grab a... I didn't know the hold would... Oh, wait for it? No, nothing yet. Mm, okay. He's, um, he's what, out, what, what, outside in the garden. He's, what, what the, he's gardening. What's he doing? <laughs> he should be sitting in his office, Alan. On Saturday? We're working pretty hard. Sincerely appreciate your oh, oh, no, that wasn't it. We got to work on this hold. <laughs> This customer That's awful. This customer service we have is awful. At, we finally at, we finally tested it and we failed. Well, yeah. like I said, was, things, it's going to be fifty fifty. When you do things off the cuff, <laughs> sometimes it works, right? And sometimes it doesn't. Hmm. Well, I suppose as we're listening to this nice hold music, we could continue on with our discussion. Yeah. Well, Jason Thomas, that's <laughs> certified financial. Oh. Oh. Hello. Hello, yes, yes G- this is Jason. Jason, Joe Anderson, Big Al Clopine. Uh, you're live on uh, the radio, and uh, we just thought we'd just give you a call to test your Medicare knowledge. Are you ready? Uh, I am definitely ready. Good to talk to both of you. <laughs> All right. We got about seven minutes, and I want you to give me as many Medicare mistakes as possible that people do when they look at Medicare, when they enroll in Medicare, or when they actually have it. Go. All right, great. So you're going to give me a bell ding when we're almost uh, <laughs> almost done. So first one, big deal that a lot of people forget is to wait to disenroll for B, that's doctor visits and uh, medical care, or D, which is drug care. You don't have to apply for either of those at any given time, but if you don't do it when you're initially eligible and you don't have some type of exception, like you have your employer's coverage instead, then you're going to pay a penalty later on. Plus, you might actually need the coverage. So that's something you're definitely uh, going to want to do. Um, Another thing that people uh, commonly have as a mistake is accidentally disenrolling themselves from their uh, Advantage plan. So if you're in a Medicare Advantage plan, uh, you can either be in that plan 
or on a prescription drug plan that only has prescription drugs, but you can't be in both at the same time. So if you were thinking you might be able to double dip and get a better drug coverage than what's in your Medicare Advantage plan by buying another drug plan, it will actually automatically disenroll you from the Medicare Advantage plan that you're on. Same as if you happen to purchase a different Medicare Advantage plan, the disenrollment is automatic. So if that's what you intend to do, then fine. But if that isn't your intent, then please avoid purchasing uh, another drug plan because that's what would happen. Um, another uh, common mistake that people make is that they do not understand the difference between being on one side of the fence, which is Medicare Advantage, and the other side of the fence, which is using their red, white, and blue card, uh, kind of like um, with other products, like a supplement plan or maybe also a drug plan. So you're going to be in one of those paths or the other. That's kind of a fork in the road, and you, uh, you choose which side you would like to be on, but not both at the same time. So um, you cannot purchase a supplement plan at the same time you purchase an Advantage plan, it wouldn't do you any good because that supplements original Medicare, which is your red, white, and blue card. Those are the top three. Do we have uh, Do we have time for more? Keep oh, it yeah, going. you're, you're rolling. But I got, Come a, on. I got a question, Jason. Okay. So the, when, when you originally enroll for Medicare, so then you have to pick between these two different plans. Can you change later on? Exactly. One of the good things about the Medicare system is that you can make your uh, your choices at various points through your stages as a beneficiary. So let's just say for supplement plans, for example, you have the opportunity to enroll for one of those plans at any point in time. But if you ever leave that side of the equation and you have a supplement plan and you ever wanted to come back to it, you could do it whenever you want, but you would just have to undergo medical underwriting. So there's a little bit of a cost or risk to leaving uh, the supplement side of the page, although you can certainly do it and come back. On Medicare Advantage plans, those do not ever write underwrite you for uh, your medical condition. So you can opt to change that at any uh future year in the annual election period. So if you're with great insurance company X and you say, well, I'd like to stay with them, just do nothing and you'll be with them next year. Now that plan will be different. That's kind of like you got a 2017 Lexus right now, you're going to have a 2018 Lexus. That could be fairly similar or they could totally change the body style up. So um, that's something you'll want to consider. But you could also say, it's 2017, I got the Lexus now, I'm going to get the 2018 Jaguar or Infiniti. And that, that point at the end of the year, from October to December, uh, where every single commercial that's on TV is for Medicare, is the time that you're, you're able to do that. And uh, you could move within that side of the page for Medicare Advantage every single year or any time that you have a, a particular period that allows you to do it mid-year, like you have extra help for prescription drugs or uh, Medicaid coverage, for example. That, those people have a little more flexibility. What about issues with TRICARE? TRICARE, if you have TRICARE, which is the uh, health insurance for those in the military or retirees, then you would not want to sign up for a Medicare Advantage plan that contains prescription drugs or for a standalone prescription drug plan without first consulting them, because it can not only affect your TRICARE benefits now, but potentially for the rest of your life. In some parts of the country, uh, you might have a Medicare Advantage plan that's called MA only. That means it does not have prescription drugs. There are very few of those, and some of them even offer a rebate if you enroll in the plan. So instead of just being zero premium, they might actually give you a little bit of money back because they're not responsible for the drug portion. But uh, your area of the country may or may not even have a Medicare Advantage only without prescription drugs. Those are fairly rare. That would be the only one that you could safely enroll in knowing that it would not affect your TRICARE. Anything else, standalone prescription drug or Medicare Advantage with the drugs inside the plan, you're going to want to shy away from before giving them a call to, to figure out how that would affect your specific situation. Do you have a cheat sheet or a volume of Medicare ish or um, information in front of you right now, Jason Thomas? I do not. I do not. That is all in your head. That's, that's all out of his head. That is all. That that is that's, something special. That's better than uh, us. All right. One last question. Give me your best joke. <laughs> my best joke. Oh my! But best joke for radio consumption. Well, you, you know, Joe, I'm turning. I'm gonna be forty in about a year and a half, and I. I I finally feel like I'm almost ready to, you know, mature and grow up and say the one phrase that every guy waits to tell that special 
woman in their life, which is, you know, I'm old enough to be your father. And um, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Another year and a half, you can do that. Oh, my exactly. God. You are something special, my friend. You are something special. You asked special. me to pull one out that would be suitable for radio consumption. That was the closest I could get. Oh, look at that. This guy is something else. Yes, that's, off uh, the cuff. That's Jason Thomas, folks. He's a certified financial planner. He is uh, part of our financial education team at uh, Pure Financial. Jason, thank you for your time, my friend. Hey, thanks for having me. Good talking. All right, we got to take a break. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. That was just the tip of the iceberg on Medicare. Part B, Part D, Medicare Advantage, TRICARE, enrolling, disenrolling. There is so much more to know about Medicare if you're approaching age 65. Joe and Jason are creating a video series to help you with that. Just visit YourMoneyYourWealth.com to sign up to watch their new Medicare video series, and you'll be notified as soon as it's available. That's YourMoneyYourWealth.com for the upcoming Medicare video series. I heard you hate the Eagles. I don't hate the Eagles. They're, they're not my favorite, though. You don't really care for the Eagles? Not particularly. Really? Why? Why do you? Oh, sure. <laughs> Why would you like the Eagles? I don't know. It makes no sense, because I like, I like acoustic music, but I've never, for some reason, it's never clicked with me. Yes. Who told you that? Jason Thomas. How would he know that? Because he says Al is a weird man. <laughs> I've, I've been spending some time with Jason Thomas. He's our um, latest addition to Pure Financial Advisors. He's uh, part of our financial education team that I run. Um, and so, yeah, we were chatting. He's like, yeah, Al's weird. <laughs> he doesn't like the Eagles. He doesn't like the Eagles. And I was like, how do you know that? Where the hell did that come out of Did I say that on a podcast? No, you said it in, like, in the, that was the first thing that he but, said that you talked about in the interview process with him. Really? Do you like the Eagles? He goes, yeah. Oh, check. check. <laughs> not going to hire your ass. I, I told you not to hire. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, I, I, remember, I, don't, I remember talking to him about music because he loves music because I asked him what he likes to do in his spare time, and it came up about music. And I, I don't know. I, I don't remember saying that, but maybe I did. But, I, yeah, I mean, I don't dislike the Eagles, but I'm not like a raving fan. I'll put it that way. Got it. Leave it at that. I do like James Taylor. Uh, that's he's probably my my favorite. Um, I, I like a lot of the acoustic rock type of sound, which I know you don't call rock. You call it I don't know what you call it, folk music. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say something, but it was probably not radio worthy. <laughs> okay, right. Okay, all right. I'm gonna go through a couple of quick stats here, then we'll wrap it up. Um, health is the top concern for wealthy retirees. Seventy three percent. That's their biggest worry is really? their, their health. Is well, the, Fidelity tells us that a couple age 65 is going to have to spend about three hundred grand or two hundred fifty to $300,000 over their lifetime out-of-pocket costs. So, But here's the fallacy, I think. A lot of times people, what's your biggest fear in retirement is running out of money. Yeah, right. That's uh, 21%. Huh, so it's, it's more health. Uh-huh. Okay. I think that's true for most, I would imagine. Well, if you don't have your health, what does the money matter? Right. Well, if you don't have your health, if you don't have any money, what the hell? I mean, right? I don't know. 47% not having anyone to take care of them. Oh, yeah. Half. Are you worried about that, Al? No. You're just going to take care of yourself. I uh, I got Annie and then I got the kids. Yeah, they do still live at home, and they're 45. You still bathe them on Sundays. They're great kids. Uh, 21% downsizing their lifestyle. All right, wealthy retirees are seeking portfolio growth. 84% of these people surveyed plan to continue to grow their assets regardless of age. Okay. 74% says equities offered the best returns regardless of one age. Well, sure. Yeah, sure. With today's low interest rates, there is more need to seek higher returns, even if you're older. 71% said Yeah. That. Well, they've been listening to our show, yes. finally. Given I plan to uh, pass assets to heirs, I'd rather keep more equities, even as I age. That was 51%. Really? Survey. Wow. Like yeah. it. If you want to uh, get a hold of the survey, we're going to have it on our show notes. We'll also have a link uh, to Walter Updegrave's website. On our show notes, um, on our podcast, you can go to yourmoneyyourwealth.com uh, to get those. Hey, we got to get out of here. Hopefully you enjoyed the show. Uh, next week, we have this guy, Jordan Goodman, coming on the show, Al. And I listen to his podcast regularly. Do you? And it's not because, and I'm going to say this now because he's not he's on not the show. He's not on the air, right? I like Jordan, yeah. but some of his guests... 
It's like train wreck city. Really? Oh, okay. Yes. It's it, every single one of them is like they're pitching some weird products in. It's like a money answer show, right? And so I think people pay to get on his show. Yeah, probably. So they can pitch their product. So, something like yeah, that, right? Yeah. So it's kind of Got like a, a pitch and dump. Got it. Oh, yeah. It's uh, but he he's uh, Jordan's been you know um, a, a big figure in in the financial services. Um, or media, financial media for for years. Um, so I'm excited to have him on. Um, so he'll be joining us next week. We'll probably do some other fun stuff. So catch us next week as well. For Big L Quilpine, I'm Joe Anderson. The show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. So to recap today's show, when Congress returns from its recess and looks at tax reform, tax breaks on retirement accounts, employer-provided health insurance, Social Security, and favorable tax rates on qualified dividends and long-term capital gains may be on the chopping block. But Roth IRA earnings, cash gifts, rental income, inheritances, and federal tax refunds are all sources of tax-free income, so we've got that going for us. Special thanks to our guests, Walter Updegrave and Jason Thomas. Learn more about retirement from Walter at realdealretirement.com. If Medicare is in your near future, visit yourmoneyyourwealth.com and sign up for Jason Thomas and Joe Anderson's Medicare video series coming soon. And Joe wants it long, straight, curly, fuzzy, snaggy, shaggy, ratty, matty, oily, greasy, fleecy, shining, gleaming, streaming, flaxen, waxen. He really wants Andre's hair. Subscribe to the podcast at yourmoneyyourwealth.com through your favorite podcatcher or on iTunes, where you can also check out our ratings and reviews. And remember, this show is about you. If there's something you'd like to hear on Your Money, Your Wealth, just email info at purefinancial.com. Listen next week for more Your Money, Your Wealth presented by Pure Financial Advisors. For your free financial assessment, visit purefinancial.com. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities are services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. Your Money, Your Wealth opening song Motown Gold by Carl James Pestka is licensed under a Creative Commons license.